We would like to welcome you to another edition of The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9 or on the web, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and of course, this is The Jazz Show, and we have three hours plus of some of the finest in jazz music to uh, carry you through the evening, and um, we hope that you can uh, stay with us for the duration of the show, but uh, at least stay with us for uh, a little while. And of course, we always kick off the show with our jazz feature, which is a very important part of the show, and we're going to do that. That's uh, been um, happening now for a long time. We have lots to do besides the jazz feature. Um, It's the birthday of uh, a couple of very, very important, uh, or the birthday anniversaries of a couple of very important uh, jazz folks. One of them, of course, is one of my all-time favorite pianists, and uh, somebody I consider to be Without exaggeration, maybe one of the greatest jazz pianists ever. And I'm talking about Phineas Newborn Jr. And um, I, I will base that and say that that is my opinion, but that's also the opinion of many people that I respect as well. Anyway, Phineas Newborn Jr. We're, we'll be doing a tribute a little later on to uh, play some of his music on the show. And, of course, uh, play some music by the great trumpeter and one of the finest and most generous people that uh, ever crossed the jazz spectrum, trumpeter Clark Terry, who was a subject of uh, such a beautiful movie, a tribute, um, that's been shown at various uh, festivals, film festivals and so on. Keep on keeping on, a biographical movie of Clark Terry and how he rose from the racism and the underprivileged background to becoming one of the most uh, stellar musicians. Um, Amazing person, and he lived to a ripe old age as well. So uh, we'll be paying tribute to both Phineas and Clark. And also, December 12th was an important anniversary. 100 years old, the chairman of the board, Don't Mess With Frank, and I'm talking about Frank Sinatra. We're going to pay a tribute to him, too, and one of his finest recordings, which, of course, is the legendary Frank Sinatra with the Count Basie Orchestra live at the Sands. And uh, that recording is, of course, iconic, and we'll be doing a a short tribute to to Mr. Sinatra and... uh, his contribution, not only as a great human being, but as a great singer, and in my estimation, an incredible actor. I saw him in several um, great movies, and of course they're iconic now, uh, From Here to Eternity, The Manchurian Candidate. Frank Sinatra was one hell of an actor, and uh, which showed the range of, of, his, uh, of his talent. Anyway, and we're also, after the jazz feature, going to be playing a trumpet player that you have probably never heard of. We've all heard of Chet Baker, Miles Davis, Dizzy Gillespie. Anybody out there ever hear of Tony Frischella? I didn't think so. Okay. (laughs) We're going to be playing some music by Tony Frischella. And you're going to be very surprised 
at how he sounds. He was a very, very great musician, but he was, uh, he was not an ambitious sort. He just wanted to play in little small clubs, didn't record very much, but there is some very valuable stuff out there. So we're going to be hearing a little bit right after the jazz feature from trumpeter Tony Fraschella. A lot of people might say, well, he, he sounds similar to Chet Baker. Yes, he does, but he was not influenced by Chet Baker in any way. As a matter of fact, he had never heard of Chet Baker until later on in his life when his style was established. Tony was there first, and he was from the East. Uh, he was from New York. Actually, he was born in New Jersey. So there you go. Anyway, we'll be doing that a little later on in the show, but we'd like to start with the jazz feature. And this is a recording called simply J.R. Montrose. And he is the star and one of the finest tenor saxophone players ever to pick up that instrument. Frank Anthony Peter Vincent Monterose Jr. was his full name. He was uh, um, of Italian-American ancestry. And he was born in Detroit but raised in Utica, New York, which is a small town in, in uh, upstate New York. And the reason he was called J.R., J.R. is a corruption of, of his name, uh, of the junior part of his name. And he simply became J.R. Monteros, and that, uh, that was the name that he was best known. And he was born in 1927, as a matter of fact, under the sign of Aquarius, and <laughs> which uh, I think is a, a matter of pride. And <laughs> J.R., J.R. was one of those uh, kind of musicians. Again, a little bit like Tony Fraschella. He didn't. He didn't look at. He didn't look for fame or fortune. He just wanted to play anywhere he could, and um, he apprenticed. He started with playing the clarinet when he was a kid, and and switched over to uh, the saxophone. He had some lessons on the clarinet, but uh, basically he's self-taught on on the uh, tenor saxophone, and was soon uh, working in bands. Um, he he um, managed to uh, get pretty good reading skills at a young age, and uh, of course this helps a lot. And he started playing in some pretty famous bands, and he apprenticed. And he was around the New York scene uh, in the early '50s, playing in jam sessions and hooking up with different people. He was a good friend of Sonny Rollins, and um, he he counts Sonny Rollins as an influence. Uh, and he also was a good friend of Stan Getz and. He's um, uh, also acknowledged Stan as, as, as a great influence. And later on, John Coltrane became a, an influence on his playing, but not in the period that we're going to hear. J.R. always had his own sound. And in about 1954, from between 1954 and 1956, he worked quite a bit with Charles Mingus and was on a couple of uh, Mingus, early Mingus recordings, but he was also on one of Mingus's most famous early recordings, and that's the Atlantic recording, Pithecanthropus erectus, done in January of 1956, and that was his last recording with Mingus. He soon left the band and joined a wonderful group led by trumpeter Kenny Dorham called the Jazz Prophets, and the Jazz Prophets recorded an album, a live album, for Blue Note Records. And J.R., of course, being in the band, was heard by 
Blue Note's Alfred Lyon. And Alfred Lyon was impressed with this young man because he had a tough, strong um, tenor saxophone style and sounded like no one else. And this impressed Lyon, and he offered him a record date. And that's how this recording came about. J.R. Monterose was able to put together a band comprising of the Chicago legend Ira Sullivan, who played every instrument with uh, valves and keys. Ira Sullivan plays all the saxophones, and he played tuba, uh, uh, euphonium, uh, valve trombone, all of that stuff. But he's featured on trumpet on this album. And he is a marvelous and major voice on the trumpet. So J.R. Monterose and Ira Sullivan on the front line. And J.R. picked an all-star rhythm section to make this recording. And they really bring this recording to, um, I think, greatness. Horace Silver on piano, the great Wilbur Ware on bass, who was actually recommended by Chicagoan Ira Sullivan, And, of course, Philly Joe Jones, one of the all-time greatest modern jazz drummers. Interestingly enough, this album was the first 12-inch Blue Note album that featured a Caucasian musician as leader. And generally, um, Blue Note recorded African-American musicians. And so Monterose, this is kind of a... Uh, a sidelight, but uh, important nonetheless. And uh, um, J.R. Monterose became the, the first, this album. And it was issued in, in uh, early 1957. We'll get to the album in a minute. I have another very brief story because not only is this an album that I, that I grew up with and was influenced by, especially the, the saxophone stylings of Monterose, but I know every note on this album, so it's kind of a, a um, almost a vanity pro- project that I'm playing this album. Uh, I just love it, and I'm sure you will too. Uh, and uh, it's it's an album that uh, that influenced my thinking about jazz music. And it was when I heard this uh, album first. I, this is right up my alley. There's a little sidelight to this album. I came to Vancouver with my family in early 1957. And I um, decided that uh, I didn't want to, my parents were busy looking for, uh, to buy a home here. And we were living in temporary quarters. And I was, you know, being a, being a teenager, a young teenager, I wasn't about to go around looking at houses and stuff. I left it up to them. I wanted to explore my new city, and uh, that's what I did. I took off for the day and headed downtown and just see what Vancouver had to offer. And at the time, it, it was a pretty quaint city. It, it was kind of, it, to me, it, uh, I grew up in Montreal and New York, so Van- Vancouver was a little bit like a small town to me, but it was nice. It was friendly. The people were, uh, were friendly. You could talk to strangers here. Uh, everything was pretty cool. And I strolled into a store on Seymour Street called Western Music, which was in the same location as the old A&B Sound. Western Music sold musical instruments, 
They they gave lessons. They had a top floor. They they had a studios up there. They sold sheet music, instruments, and records. And so I strolled in there, and I thought, gee, they have a pretty decent selection of records. Vancouver's looking up here. And I walked over, and they had a nice jazz section and, and also a section for new releases. So, of course, I went, I went to look at that first. And the first record I picked out was this J.R. Monterose record. It had just been released. And, of course, because I had the Kenny Dorham record uh, in my collection, and, and that's how, that was my introduction to Monterose, I said, wow, to myself, this is it. This is, this is J.R. Monterose under his own name. Holy smoke, i got to buy this right away. So I went over to the clerk to pay for the record. And he looked at me and he says, "Wow!" He says, "You." He said, "For a young guy, he said you're you." He said, "You're really listening to the real thing." And uh, so, as it turned out, this was my introduction to jazz in Vancouver because the clerk was Jim Johnson, who was one of the more prominent jazz tenor saxophonists and one of the charter members of the original seller. So I walked into, I struck gold, and um, Jim Johnson and I started uh, uh, chatting, and then he said, I'm going on a lunch break, let's go around the corner. There's a cafe around the corner. <laughs> the cafe was called Mother's Cafe. Every time I think about the name, I have to laugh. But that's what it was called. So we went around the corner on his lunch break, and, and we chatted, and he told me all about the original cellar and how uh, Vancouver had a real jazz club and it was happening, and he invited me down to catch a rehearsal um, of the band that he was involved with. And I met all the people that were running the cellar at the time, and they all became dear friends of mine. So that was a very fateful uh, time. So this record kind of represents that to me. And that's why I share this little story with you. Um, but it's the music on this record that is the most important. And we're going to get to that right now. So, the tunes. There's six of them. Um, the first one, the opening track, is so great. It's based on the tune Out of Nowhere. And it's an original by J.R. Monterose, and it's called Weejay. Then uh, the second tune is a tune by Donald Byrd, and it's called The Third. And then there's a tune number three, is a great uplifting tune called Bobby Pin, uh, written by J.R. Monterose. And then the up-tempo tune is really something else. There's some amazing playing on that. Uh, again, a J.R. Monterose composition. It's called Mark V. And then we go to a rare composition by drummer Philly Joe Jones. And it's kind of a Latin-flavored piece of music. And it's great. It's basically a blues, but it's got a Latin kind of a touch. And the, it's a typical drummer's title because the tune is called Cal Link. That's the title, Cal Link. And the final tune is written by bassist Paul Chambers. And it's a very sort of lyrical, um, friendly uh, melody, and it's called Beauteous. So this is the album. It was recorded October 21st, 1956, and once again, Ira Sullivan on trumpet, 
Horace Silver on piano, Wilbur Ware on bass, Philly Joe Jones on drums, and the great and wonderful Gerald Monterose on tenor saxophone. Here we go.
J.R. Montrose, the great tenor saxophonist, our jazz feature artist this evening. You know, I was thinking about what I said about him being the first Caucasian artist to uh, get his own uh, recording on Blue Note, and that's not quite true. Um, there were a couple of others. I was thinking of uh, um, a great baritone saxophonist, very innovative uh, gentleman named Gil Melly, uh, who did as well. So, um, however, uh, put it this way, Monterose was one of the few Caucasian artists who got their own record date on Blue Note because Blue Note recorded primarily African-American artists. So, uh, in thinking about that, I stand, I stand corrected because that, that's quite a definitive statement. And uh, I had to think about it and realize that, uh, no, it wasn't quite true. Anyway, regardless, J.R. Monterose, Frank Anthony Vincent Monterose Jr., one of the great voices of the tenor saxophone. And this was his first recording, actually, under his own name. And it was because... Uh, Alfred Lyon from Blue Note Records had heard him with Kenny Dorham's Jazz Prophets. Monterose had been playing with Mingus off and on for about two years and recorded um, a very important album with Charles Mingus, but uh, then they had a bit of a disagreement, <laughs> as was common with Mr. Mingus, and Monterose left the band and joined Kenny Dorham, who he really enjoyed working with, the great trumpeter, who had just formed a wonderful little band called the Jazz Prophets, short-lived band, but they did do a couple of recordings, and one of their more important recordings was on Blue Note Records. And Alfred Lyon was very impressed with J.R. Monterose and asked him to do this recording under his own name and uh, asked him to um, pick the guys he wanted to work with. And, of course, Monterose uh, chose his uh, accompanists um, very um, astutely. His frontline partner was uh, a very um, legendary musician from Chicago who is still alive and well and playing, lives in Florida, and uh, he's in his 80s now, and he's still healthy and, and, uh, and playing and, and doing lots of work down there, kind of out of the spotlight, but he's still with us. That's the main thing. Ira Sullivan, he plays, as I said, he plays anything with valves and keys. He plays all the saxophones and uh, plays euphonium, tuba, valve trombone, but he was featured on trumpet here, and of course, uh, as you heard, uh, his trumpet styling signaled him as being a major voice on that instrument. The rhythm section. How could you go wrong with Horace Silver on piano, Wilbur Ware on bass, and the great Philly Joe Jones on drums? You can't. And uh, they really enhanced the whole sound of this uh, wonderful recording. And uh, uh, I'm sure that J.R. Monterose was really happy to be working with those guys and put together this uh, wonderful album. Unfortunately, there's no ballads on this album. Uh, Monterose was a very uh, superb ballad player, but I think he just uh, he put that aside for this album. He wanted to make a real hard-driving um, New York jazz-style album, and uh, it certainly came off that way. And as I mentioned before in the introduction, it has, this album has a lot of sentimental value with, for me for a variety of reasons. But musically, it was a great influence on my, on my thinking about music and how I 
uh, perceived music and, and heard music. And, of course, J.R. was a great influence on my own playing as well. So we get to the tunes. We open with um, J.R.'s uh, take on uh, the old uh, out-of-nowhere um, changes. And he uh, reconfigured the tune and called it Ouija. The second tune was written by Donald Byrd. It uh, actually has several different titles, but for here it was known as The Third. And tune number three was entitled Bobby Pin, uh, a very sort of uplifting original by J.R. Monterose. And then the up-tempo tune of the set was uh, another Monterose original called Mark V. And then... Uh, an original by Philly Joe Jones, the drummer. And, of course, uh, you know, it's got a drummer's title. The tune is called Cow Link, and it had a, a Latin feel. It goes into a, a blues, but it's an interesting piece of music. And the final tune was a Paul, lyrical Paul Chambers original, written by bassist Paul Chambers, called Beauteous. And uh, that's the content of this uh, wonderful Blue Note album, number 1536 one of my all-time favorite albums on Blue Note Records. J.R. Montero, so I certainly hope you enjoyed listening to him this evening. And we're going to carry on after uh, some messages here with um, a musician that uh, probably a lot of you don't know about. His name is Tony Fruscella. Again, another Italian-American. <laughs> there you go. We're going to be featuring Frank Sinatra a little later on in the show. There, there is one of the most prominent Italian-Americans. <laughs> so uh, maybe it's Italian music night. Who knows? Maybe we should start uh, putting some opera on the show or something. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9. My name is Gavin Walker, and, of course, we're also on the computer, www.citr.ca. We're broadcasting from the University of British Columbia on unceded Musqueam territory. And we'll be right back after these uh, important messages. Check them out. Do you like friends? Well, we like you. So become a member and get a Friends of CITR card. Not only does it make you special, it gets you all kinds of deals with our friends downtown, like 10% off at Bang On T-shirts, Beat Street Records, Studio Records, Community Thrift and Vintage, The Fall Tattooing, and more. Visit CITR.ca for more, or come check us out in the nest. This Quarter magazine has been supporting local music for over 30 years. Thanks to the long-term support of the Rickshaw Theater, This Quarter lives. Favorite bands are playing at the Rickshaw Theater. Check out their calendar just behind the cover of Discorder Magazine or at rickshawtheater.com. For a taste of the classics with a twist, join me, Marguerite, with Classical Chaos Sunday mornings starting at 9, right here on CITR 101.9 FM. Vancouver, Canada.
We're back. We're going to introduce you to a wonderful musician by the name of Tony Frischella. Tony Frischella plays the trumpet, and he plays the trumpet very much um, if you hear him for the first time and are familiar with, with Chet Baker's music. You might say, well, this guy's really influenced by Chet Baker. But the, the problem is, is that Tony was playing this way when he first came on the musical scene in 1948 in New York. And he was playing this way. And, of course, he later on naturally um, heard Chet Baker, but uh, Chet was no influence on Tony because Tony had already established his style. Um, there was a piano player who um, I got to know and, and chat with uh, who recorded. As a matter of fact, we're going to hear him um, on some some sides on on uh, on the program, Bill Triglia, a wonderful pianist and um, uh, again one of those sort of underground musicians. Uh, he re- Triglia recorded with Mingus and and various other people. Very very fine piano player, as you will hear. And uh, he told me that uh, um, without. Any doubt in in the way he spoke to me that uh, Tony was an influence on Miles Davis, and um, Tony uh, Fruscella used to play in these little small joints and so on. He didn't have it. Tony didn't have any commercial aspirations. He just wanted to play jazz music in little small clubs where people actually listened and uh, appreciated the music and uh, that sort of thing. That was kind of his thing. He, he wasn't about to be a big star. He didn't want that, and uh, he didn't live that way either. And the thing about Tony is that um, he was just one of those very honest uh, musicians. He, he only lived a, a, a short life, but uh, uh, Bill Triglia told me that he was an influence on Miles Davis. Miles used to come around and listen to him. Now, this is Bill's opinion, but Bill was there, and he was one of Tony's best friends. So uh, I'm not about to doubt his word. Tony had a very distinctive musical style on the trumpet. Um, he wasn't a loud player. He wasn't a technical player, but he had a beautiful, beautiful sound. And um, he only made one recording. And that came out on Atlantic Records, and that's a classic recording. I, I have an old friend from my early university days who had a whole great collection of jazz records, but he said, you know, if I went to a desert island, the only record that I would take would be this Tony Fruscella record. He said, that means a lot to me. And that's how I got interested in Tony Fruscella because uh, my friend, my university buddy had had this album, and uh, he played it for me. And of course, I fell in love with it and bought the album as soon as I could find it. And uh, I got turned on to Tony Fruscella. We're not going to hear that album tonight. That's going to be for a later feature down the road. His famous uh, album, the only one that was uh, uh, ever issued under his own name. But we're going to hear some rare Tony Fruscella tracks. I'll tell you a little bit about Tony. He was born in Orangeburg, New Jersey. And he spent the first 15 years of his life in an orphanage. And he, um, one of the priests that was running the orphanage, Tony, you know, was a a young guy and getting into, you know, trouble and so on and so forth. And the priest gave him a trumpet to see what he could do with it. And Tony began uh, uh, learning the trumpet. Of course, being an orphan with no parents, this sort of thing. He really, really just got into music 
at a very early age. The trumpet was his refuge, his, his, his soul, and it became his voice. And um, uh, he learned very quickly and, and uh, played beautifully. Um, he was drafted into the Army and played in the second division band of the U.S. Army at 18 years old. And then later on, he, he worked with um, various people, including Lester Young. And uh, he also worked with Stan Getz and so on and so forth. But one of his, um, he, Tony was around the New York jazz scene from about 1948 on. And um, he died at age 42 kind of a victim of um, dissipation, um, booze, pills, that sort of thing. Died of cirrhosis and heart failure. He was a very, very handsome man. He never had a home of his own. He, he, he um, lived with um, girlfriends and, and, and so on and so forth. He had very interesting sort of a social life. Uh, he moved from girlfriend to girlfriend. But what he would do, um, he was a great, he, he had learned how to cook in the, in the orphanage. So he would say, look, I'll, you know, um, can I move into your pad and and I'll cook for you and 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 keep your you know keep your apartment really neat, um, you know and 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 be your friend. <laughs> That's how Tony lived. Anyway, um, sad to say he died on August fourteenth, nineteen sixty nine, and uh, by that time he was uh, obscure and totally forgotten. We're going to bring Tony back to life. There's one piece that I would like to start with, and it's a live um, date. Uh, Tony was uh, uh, sort of um, also ran at, at a jazz concert, and he's featured on this one tune with an all-star rhythm section. And this is as good an introduction to Tony as you can imagine. Um, we hear the voice of Al Jasbo Collins, one of the famous uh, disc jockeys, and this was recorded at the Pythian Temple in New York City before an audience, and Tony came out and did this one cameo number with Hank Jones on piano, Wendell Marshall on bass, and the great Shadow Wilson on drums. And it's just the blues that he made up right on the spot, and it's called simply Tony's Blues. But it gives you an introduction to Tony. Then I'm going to go to a very rare as a matter of fact, extremely rare recording that was done for Atlantic Records but never, ever issued. And we're going to hear some tracks from that after this one. But here's Tony with these all-star musicians, and here's Tony's blues. A young fellow who has been playing uh, in and around New York City for a long time, and to my way of thinking, has not really received the recognition that he deserves is a fellow by the name of Tony Frusella. And we have him with us tonight, and he's gonna come out and play a little blues for you. Tony Frusella. Thank you. 
I played that track as uh, a little bit of an introduction to Tony Frischella, and uh, or Tony Frischella. Uh, I know a friend of mine calls him Frischella because the name is spelled F-R-U-S-C-E-L-L-A. Anyway, uh, Tony was featured here with uh, Hank Jones on piano, Wendell Marshall on bass, and Shadow Wilson on drums. And that was his cameo appearance at this concert. And he played this little uh, spontaneous blues called simply Tony's Blues, well-titled. So it gives you an idea of what he, um, what he sounds like in his, his trumpet playing. We're going to go to this album, which is kind of legendary. It was recorded for Atlantic Records. Uh, as I mentioned before, Tony did uh, a later album for Atlantic, and that was issued. This one never, ever came out. But it's a studio-quality recording, and uh, it features really the band that Tony um, loved to play with. His best friend was tenor saxophonist Brew Moore. So it's basically the Tony Frischella Brew Moore quintet. And Brew is one of my favorite tenor saxophonists from the Lester Young School. And uh, he's a very earthy player. Brew was a, uh, was a good Southern boy. He was born in Mississippi, as a matter of fact. And, <laughs> and I know for a fact he, he talked with a pretty um, uh, obvious uh, Southern drawl. And, um, but he was uh, such a great musician. And, and like Tony, he, he um, lived a, a, a sort of a vagabond life and, and, uh, and liked to just play um, his style of music in, in, in little small joints. Brew Moore was very famous for a great statement because uh, Lester Young was his favorite tenor saxophonist, and he said, uh, he once, he once uh, said for an interview, he says, anybody who doesn't play like Lester Young is wrong. I have no more to say about that. <laughs> that was Brew Moore. Anyway, uh, Tony on trumpet, Brew Moore on tenor saxophone, Bill Triglia on piano, the gentleman that provided me with a lot of information about, uh, about Tony, the great Teddy Kotick on bass, who was one of Charlie Parker's um, favorite bass players, and Bill Hine on drums, a rather obscure musician, but a very, very tasteful drummer. So this is unreleased music. This was done for Atlantic Records, it, and it never came out, sad to say. We're going to hear some tunes from here. Um, basically, the tunes don't have any titles. Um, they're, um, uh, they were never given any titles. The, the band knew them, but uh, it was just tune one, tune two, tune three sort of thing. So um, these are makeshift titles. And the first one is called Blues Medium. Uh, the second tune is uh, called Minor Blues, which is the blues in a minor key. Um, and there's no idea who composed these tunes. It could have been either Tony or Brumore or um, pianist Bill Triglia. And then uh, tune number three is definitely a Bill Triglia tune because it's called Bill Triglia's Original. And then we're going to hear one called Slow Blues. And the final tune is obviously a Brumore composition. It's called Brew's Nightmare. So we treat you to this... Um, very, very rare recording. It was done in New York, March the 22nd, 1954. And it's the Tony Frischella Brumore Quintet.
Those were a select number of tracks from this uh, unreleased Atlantic recording session that took place in New York, March the 22nd, 1954, and it was really the Tony Frischella Brew Moore Quintet. Brew was Tony's best friend, and Tony was Brew's best friend, and they, uh, they played together really beautifully. And with Bill Triglia on piano, Teddy Kotick on bass, and the uh, underappreciated and virtually unknown Bill Hine on drums, very tasteful drummer. And the tunes, as I said, didn't, didn't, uh, didn't really have any titles. It's hard to know who wrote them unless uh, their names are on them. And uh, the first um, composition was called simply Blues Medium, and that's what it was, Medium Tempo Blues. The second tune was a minor blues, that's the title, and uh, that was a uh, blues in a minor key. Then um, tune number three does have a composer. It's called Bill Triglia's Original. <laughs> there you go. And then we heard a beautiful slow blues, and the final tune was written by tenor saxophonist Brewmore, and that was entitled Brew's Nightmare. And uh, the legendary... Tony Frischella, who lived a short life, born in 1927 and died at 42 in 1969. And uh, Brew Moore was, was a little bit older. He lived a little longer, too. Uh, he was born in 1924 and lived to 1973. And uh, both of these uh, musicians were kind of uh, Vagabonds, they, they moved around a lot, and they just wanted to play in little small places where, where people came and, uh, and listened, and listened intently. And uh, he, they, they both liked these little intimate jazz clubs that were uh, proliferating all over the United States. Just about any town had a, uh, in those days had a jazz club. And uh, so these guys, you know, moved around and found little gigs here and there and just played their music and then moved on. It wasn't about fame or fortune or anything, and the music was such high quality. Tony Frischella on trumpet, Rumor tenor saxophone, Bill Triglia on piano, Teddy Kotick on bass, and Bill Hine on drums. So I hope you enjoyed that. There's more from this set. We'll play it uh, in future, uh, future shows, but I thought I'd like to do a small tribute to the underappreciated and uh, nearly forgotten Tony Frischella and Brew Moore and the rest of the guys in the band, too. <laughs> there you go. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9. My name's Gavin Walker, and we're also on your computer, and uh, which is, of course, CITR.ca, and we're broadcasting live out here at the University of British Columbia on unceded Musqueam territory. So we have, uh, oh, a couple of announcements for you, and we'll be back with a tribute, a birthday anniversary tribute to the great pianist Phineas Newborn Jr. And we're going to play four very choice tracks for you as a tribute to this great musician. So stay with us. Offered through the First Nations and Indigenous Studies Program, FNIS 401G, Indigenous Law and the Settler State, 
is a three-credit course being taught by new channel scholar Johnny Mack in Term 2. This course will focus on the relationships between Indigenous law, state law, and policy, whilst taking up key issues of their legal agency in the lawmaking process. Please visit fnis.arts.ubc.ca for more information. Want to know what's up at UBC? Read the UBC. It's only the largest student newspaper in Western Canada, and it's written and edited entirely by UBC students. The UBC is your source for on-campus news, culture, and sports. New editions come out every Monday and Thursday. For breaking news, as well as amazing videos and blogs, check out ubc.ca. Well, the good old weather, which is always a topic of conversation in Vancouver. Uh, tonight, they're basically saying it's, it was partly cloudy. We got a little, a few breaks today. It was, it was okay. It's cool, but, uh, you know, it was all right, better than rain. Um, but then it's partly cloudy tonight. Then it's going to be completely overcast uh, later on, lows down to about 3. Then tomorrow was going to be cloudy with a 60% chance of a shower, not that much, and it'll be sort of off and on. Um, it's supposed to be late in the morning and then some in the afternoon, but uh, you never know. It'll be off and on rain, um, nothing nothing severe, uh, with a low of 3 and a high of 6. Wednesday is going to be sunny with a low of 1, and that's plus 1, and a high of 5. And then back to rain on Thursday and Friday with a low of 1 and highs around uh, 4 or 5. And on Friday, it's going to be windy as well. I guess some sort of a system is coming in. And on Saturday, cloudy with a 60% chance of a shower, uh, with a low of 1 and a high of 5. And Sunday, once again, showers, low of 1, high of 5. So that's kind of the the uh, pre-Christmas weather picture. Of course, everybody's running around like uh, ants in sunshine trying to get uh, stuff done for Christmas. Uh, so it's a busy time, and parties and all that sort of stuff as well. We return to music and some of the greatest piano playing ever recorded. And uh, I say this without any doubts in my mind, and, and uh, I'm backed by several people, uh, um, a, a couple of very important pianists as, as well, who also said that Phineas Newborn was the greatest jazz piano player. Well, you know, terms like the greatest and so on and so forth, uh, it gets into a matter of taste and, and stuff like that. And music isn't a competition. You know, that's for car racing or something. Music is just a contribution. Not a, it's not a competition between who's the greatest and who isn't, that sort of thing. It's just 
uh, Phineas Newborn was an incredible pianist. Um, he he used the, the, the foot pedals. He got a beautiful sound out of the piano. He was truly uh, a, a piano-playing genius uh, on the same level as Oscar Peterson, on the same level as Art Tatum, on the same level as somebody like Vladimir Horowitz. Um, Phineas Newborn was right there. He was one of the great virtuoso pianists. Uh, unfortunately, he didn't get the fame and the acclaim that he so richly deserved because uh, of um, various mental problems which took him off the scene uh, and out of the picture sometimes for a long time. Then he'd come back and that sort of thing. Uh, unfortunately, that, that kind of health thing um, really prevented people from getting to know Phineas a little better. But these four tunes, I hold these up as some of the finest piano playing in jazz music. And this was a recording session that took place after Phineas moved to uh, Los Angeles in the early 60s. And he began recording for contemporary records. October 16, 1961, in Los Angeles, with none other than Paul Chambers on bass, and once again, the great Philly Joe Jones on drums. We're going to hear four tunes. And these were the only four tunes recorded that day, but they are gems, all of them. We open with a Charlie Parker original called Cheryl. Then we move to a great composition by Dizzy Gillespie and Walter Fuller, a tune called Manteca. And that's a great arrangement. And then we move to a gorgeous rendition of Billy Strayhorn's great ballad, Lush Life. And check out the intro to this. Uh, Phineas uses the uh, introduction from Ravel's Sonantine to bring in the tune Lush Life. Such a beautiful arrangement of this ballad, and he treats it with loving care. And the final tune is a spectacular performance of Clifford Brown's up-tempo, challenging tune, Da Hood. So... As a birthday tribute to Phineas Newborn Jr., he was born in Memphis, Tennessee, and grew up playing in the family orchestra. All of his family played music. His brother was a very fine guitar player, Calvin, and his dad was a, a piano player and led the, led the newborn crew. They got all kinds of gigs. They played at the Plantation Club in, uh, in Memphis, and, uh, of course, Phineas uh, then moved on to New York City and to... Um, whatever fame and fortune happened to him. But these recordings stand as some of his finest, and perhaps his finest. This is from an album called World of Piano. So here then is the incredible Phineas Newborn Jr. celebrating his an birthday anniversary today. He was born in 1931, passed away in 1989. <laughs>
Well, there it is. Some of the ultimate jazz piano playing played by the genius of Phineas Newborn Jr. Born in Memphis, Tennessee on this day, December 14th, 1931. And uh, Phineas, of course, contributed greatly to the language of uh, the piano and, and to music. So we celebrated his birthday, or his birthday anniversary, from this um, album. It actually came out uh, in two parts. One side was these tunes, and the, you flip the album over, and it was Phineas from a slightly later date with uh, a different rhythm section. But uh, these four tunes with uh, Paul Chambers on bass and the great Philly Joe Jones on drums are just on such a high level. And the tunes, uh, beginning with Charlie Parker's blues, Cheryl, and then a virtuoso rendition of uh, Dizzy Gillespie and Walter Fuller's Manteca. And then, of course, the gorgeous rendition of Lush Life with that uh, in- introduction from uh, Ravel's Son and Teen. And the final selection, of course, the spectacular Clifford Brown original, Dahood. So happy birthday, Mr. Newborn. I'm sure he's playing the piano uh, for uh, wherever he is in, uh, in the universe. Phineas Newborn, Jr. Well, another gentleman who celebrated a birthday on December 12th, a little better known than Phineas Newborn, was someone who really was an icon in so many ways. Um, He was a character. He was uh, a a person of great contradictions. Um, There were people that knocked him, and there were people that praised him. Uh, I've heard he's legendary, (laughs) shall we say. And his name, of course, is Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra was one of the greatest interpreters of lyrics. Uh, His phrasing and the way he took the lyrics to these standard tunes that he was so in love with and and literally made definitive versions of, of these tunes because of his unique phrasing and uh, enunciation and just all the expression he could put into these uh, lyrics. Um, and Sinatra um, was such a, an influential stylist and, of course, he made many, many, many great recordings. And um, some of them were kind of autobiographical as well. One of the great interviews that Sinatra did um, was uh, in Playboy magazine. It was very, um, a very frank interview of his life and what he, what he felt. And uh, Frank was, uh, really was aware of the world around him. He was also a great, great actor and uh, was nominated for, uh, uh, or won the Academy Award Best Supporting Actor for uh, From Here to Eternity, his role in that. And uh, a historic figure as well, and lived to a ripe old age. And, of course, Frank was uh, of Italian ancestry. He was born in Hoboken, New Jersey. And uh, his rise to fame in the late 30s and early 40s. He was a matinee idol when he was a young man in, in the 40s. And, of course, uh, uh, he had uh, screaming young females uh, attending all of his concerts, much like uh, 
um, what uh, uh, happened later on, 20 years later, when the, uh, when the Beatles took uh, uh, prominence. Same, same deal, same kind of uh, thing, but this was in the 1940s. So <laughs> there's really nothing new under the sun. People do this kind of stuff. But Sinatra went on to become uh, such a, uh, an icon. We're going to hear um, some tracks from what is considered one of his finest recordings. And this is Frank Sinatra with the Count Basie Orchestra with arrangements by Quincy Jones and all recorded at the Sands Hotel in Las Vegas in 1966. And, of course, the great Basie band uh, all of his favorite musicians in the band, people like Harry Sweets Edison, uh, Eddie Lockjaw Davis, Bobby Plater, Eric Dixon, uh, Basie himself, of course, and um, great rhythm section here. Freddie Green on guitar, Norman Keenan on bass, and the great Sonny Payne on drums. So a wonderful addition of the Basie band. So we're going to hear a bunch of tunes um, in tribute to Francis Albert Sinatra. We're going to begin with uh, a great Frank Lesser tune called Luck Be a Lady, and it's a perfect tune for Las Vegas. And uh, then a great tune by Lerner and Lowe entitled Get Me to the Church on Time. And then a classic that Frank made uh, in his latter years, and this was a tune by Irvin Drake, and it was called It Was a Very Good Year. And then one of the great ballads by Frank and one of the definitive uh, tunes that uh, Frank sang as a ballad is one of my all-time favorite ballads, Don't Worry About Me. And we're going to follow that with an uplifting tune called Makin' Whoopee. And um, that's about it. We're going to listen to Frank Sinatra with the Count Basie Orchestra. We turn now to the score of a picture I was in once called Guys and Dolls. It's a song by Frank Lesser, and it's a story about a pair of dice. They call you Lady Luck, but there is room for doubt. At times you have a very unladylike way of running out. You're on this date with me. The pickings have been lush. And yet before this evening is over, you might give me the brush. You might forget your manners. You might refuse to stay. And so the best that I can do is pray. Just how nice a dame you 
can be I know the way you treated other guys you've been with How about you being a lady with me? A lady doesn't leave her escort It isn't fair It isn't nice A lady doesn't wander all over the room and then blow on another pair of dice. Why don't we keep this party polite? Never move out of my sight. Stick with me, baby. I'm the guy that you came in with. Luck be a lady. Gentlemen, see just how nice a lovely dame you can be. I know the way you treated other guys you've been with, but luck be a lady with me. Lady doesn't leave her escort, it isn't fair. And it's not nice A lady doesn't wander All over the room And then blow On another guy's dice How about we Keep this party polite Never move out of my sight Stick with me, baby I'm the guy that you came in with be a lady Don't lose your compass. 
pretty folk song. When I was 17 <laughs> It was a very good year It was a very good year For small town girls And soft summer nights We'd hide from the light on the village green when I was 17. When I was 21, it was a very good year. It was a very good year for city girls who lived up the stair with all that perfumed hair. And it came undone when I was 21. Then I was 35 It was a very good year It was a very good year For blue-blooded girls of independent means We'd ride in limousines Their chauffeurs would drive when I was 35 But now the days grow short 
I'm in the autumn of the year And now I think of my life As vintage wine from fine old kegs From the brim to the dregs And it poured sweet and clear It was a very good year It was a mess of good I frankly believe that this next song is one of the great American standards of our repertoire in this nation. Don't worry about me I'll get along Just you forget about me Be happy, my love Just say that our little show is over And so the story ends Why not call it a day In a sensible way and we'll remain friends Look out, look out for yourself Should be the rule You just give your heart and your love To whomever you love don't you be a fool Baby, why stop and cling To some fading thing that used to be So if you can't forget Don't you worry Stop and cling To some losing thing That you 
used to be Well, if you can forget Don't you worry about me Thank you. It's a marvelous song. Really great standard. There's nothing further to be said except the magnificent Count Basie and this great orchestra here.
Thank you. Very kind. Now, this could only happen to a guy like me, and only happen in a town like this. And so I say to each of you most gratefully, as I throw each one of you a kiss. This is my kind of town, Chicago is. My kind of town, Chicago is. My kind of people, too. People who smile at you and each time. It makes me grin like a clown. It's my, my kind of town. Get up there. Get up there. Jane's been biting me for the past few minutes. That's sweet. You like my Mary Janes? Like the little black bows on them, nice and shiny. Well, this one's biting my instep. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if you will, please help me reward a very talented young man who is one of the bright stars in the composing business and orchestrating business today, Mr. Quincy Jones. And uh, I couldn't possibly think up any adjectives to introduce this next group, so I merely say the magnificent Count Basie and this great organization.
I would very uh, quickly like you to say hello to my pianist, Mr. Bill Miller, who's sitting right behind this little spinet over here. Charlie Greenface, did you dig that complexion? He's got a green sun lamp. It's the cocktail hour. For me, it is right now. Yeah, well, we're going down the line, and we're going to get a little Jack Daniel tonight. Because I wanted known publicly that last night I fell off the wagon. <laughs> I did. I even smoked a couple of cigarettes last night. <laughs> Who knows what evil lurks in the minds of men? The shadow do. Give me a finger like this. Oh, no, no. Let's get out of here. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. No, next time around. Ladies and gentlemen, before leaving, I'd like to leave you with a proverb that was handed down to me by General Lincoln. Not the Lincoln you know. Irving Lincoln, this guy's name is. We feel sorry for people who don't drink because when you get up in the morning, that's as good as you're going to feel for the rest of the day. <laughs> the Wrigley Building, Chicago is The Chicago Cubbies, Chicago is One town that won't let you down As a tribute to the great Frank Sinatra, we heard a whole bunch of tunes from one of his best-loved albums, Frank Sinatra recorded at the Sands in 1966, backed by the Count Basie Orchestra with arrangements by Quincy Jones and, of course, all the great people in uh, this edition of the Basie Orchestra. And... We heard Frank do a number of tunes, beginning with Luck Be a Lady by Frank Lesser, and then Get Me to the Church on Time, and of course his classic, It Was a Very Good Year, and then uh, the great ballad, Don't Worry About Me, and then an instrumental by the Basie Band, arrangement by Quincy Jones, of course, of Macon Whoopi, and uh, then a version of Sammy Khan's My Kind of Town, Chicago Is, and then uh, Frank's closing monologue and uh, reprise and the end of the show. And, of course, in many respects, the end of an era. But we did celebrate and pay tribute to this uh, great gentleman of entertainment, Francis Albert Sinatra. And, of course, uh, on yesterday, December 12th, or two days ago, December 12th, he celebrated 
his 100th birthday anniversary. As if you didn't know that, right? <laughs> okay. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9 or on the Internet, which is CITR.ca. My name's Gavin Walker. And next up, we're going to pay tribute to a gentleman who was born today, just before the, uh, the seconds tick off of December 14th. I'm going to start this little tribute to one of the great musicians in the history of jazz and one of the best loved, Clark Terry, trumpeter Clark Terry, who actually plays the more mellow flugelhorn on this very historic session that was done back in 1958. And it's one of the very few recordings of Thelonious Monk in a sideman role. And he was picked out by Clark Terry to do this. And Monk had a lot of respect for Clark and vice versa. And it's one of Clark's really um, lovely albums and this charming interplay. <laughs> well, charming, I don't know if it's charming, This, uh, if that's the right word. I, it is charming, and it's happy, and it's a wonderful interplay between Clark who always displayed a sense of humor in his playing, and Thelonious Monk. A lot of people think Monk is, uh, well, Monk's got so much humor in his music, it's, it's, it's uh, ridiculous. The rhythm section here, once again, Philly Joe Jones on drums, and Sam Jones, who was no relation, on bass. And uh, these are some of Monk's, Monk had a lot of fun on this session, and apparently According to my information, the session went down very smoothly because sometimes Monk could be very difficult in the recording studio. And uh, this one was just went off like nothing. They just bang, 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 recorded all these tunes. There's about 10 of them on the album. We're going to hear four from this. Uh, actually, yes, four from this session. We're going to open with a Clark Terry original called In Orbit because that's the title of the album. And then kind of a, a bluesy thing called One Foot in the Gutter, written by Clark Terry. And then a Thelonious Monk composition called Let's Cool One. And the final tune that we're going to hear in this set, as a tribute to Clark Terry, his own original called P.I. So here then is the delightful trumpet stylings of a gentleman who would have been 95 years old today. He just died a few years ago, lived a good long life, and a subject of a, a great movie autobiography called Keepin' On, Keepin' On, or Keep On, Keepin' On. And I'm talking about Clark Terry, and here he is right now. Thank you. 
That was a very small tribute to great musician Clark Terry, who would have celebrated his 95th birthday on December 14th. And of course, it's now December 15th. Ten more days till Christmas. I I, I knew you wanted to know that. Anyway, (laughs) Clark Terry on flugelhorn with one of the rare appearances by his friend Thelonious Monk on piano, Sam Jones on bass, and the great Philly Joe Jones, no relation, on drums. And we heard four tunes. We began with Clark Terry's very cheery original called In Orbit, which was the title track from this album, and then a, a bluesy thing called One Foot in the Gutter, and then a Thelonious Monk original called Let's Cool One, and the final tune was the uplifting Clark Terry original entitled P.I., and um, a small tribute to this uh, great musician. Clark Terry and Thelonious Monk had a mutual admiration society, and apparently uh, Monk could be fairly difficult in the recording studio and sometimes subject to moods and not feeling like playing or all kinds of uh, uh, sort of uh, random stuff that could happen. But uh, this recording session went down really, really smoothly. And um, it's great. Clark Terry, of course, was the subject of a great movie biography called Keep On Keeping On. And he was born in St. Louis in Missouri in, on December 14th, 1920, and just died a couple of years ago. And he would have been 95 yesterday. Clark Terry, one of the great voices in jazz and one of the best love musicians of all time. We're going to close the show. Last week, I actually uh, had a mislabeled CD, and I announced it that it was going to be these tunes. And, of course, it was from another, by the same artist, essentially, but from another recording session because the CD was mislabeled. So we're going to uh, close the show with two tracks from this album by Bobby Hutcherson and Harold Land entitled Totally Clips, and it's a classic uh, modern jazz album. Harold Land and Bobby Hutcherson, of course, had a, a band together. They used um, different rhythm sections at times, uh, depending on who was available, but they had this uh, very, very musical partnership, and um, they made some incredibly fine recordings, including this one, which is uh, just about my favorite recording by this band, Totally Clips. It came out on Blue Note Records. And we hear Bobby Hutcherson, of course, on vibes, Harold Land on tenor saxophone, Chick Corea on piano, Reggie Johnson on bass, and Joe Chambers on drums. And we're going to hear two tunes from this uh, historic session. The first tune is called Same Shame. It's written by Bobby Hutcherson. And the final tune we're going to hear to close the show is a tune which is the title track entitled Total, Total Eclipse. So that's it. And uh, we'd just like to, of course, uh, remind you that next week is going to be our Christmas show right here on CITR. And we have a lot of things that we play every year. It's kind of a um, jazz show tradition. Uh, We're obviously going to play the famous uh, Miles Davis Bags Groove session with Thelonious Monk, Milt Jackson, and Miles Davis that was recorded on Christmas Eve in 1954. And, and of course, some Christmas music that uh, you're not going to hear in the malls. So um, 
please join us next week. Will be our um, penultimate uh, show before the big Santa Claus Day. So that's going to be next week on the Jazz Show. All right, back to music. Bobby Hutcherson, Harold Land, and same shame.
And so it ends. Bobby Hutcherson and Harold Land from a classic album entitled Total Eclipse. And um, as I said, I misread that uh, last week because I had a CD which was um, uh, not imprinted very well. And we got another. uh, We did get Bobby Hutcherson and Harold Land, but from a different session because the CD was mislabeled. So I thought I'd make it up this week and play what I intended to last week (laughs) from this album and um, effectively um, say goodnight uh, from the jazz show. We heard Bobby Hutcherson on Vibes with Harold Land, of course, on tenor saxophone, Chick Corea on piano, Reggie Johnson on bass, and Joe Chambers on drums. And this was recorded for Blue Note back on July 12, 1968. And it's a very beautiful music. We heard two compositions by Bobby Hutcherson. The first one was entitled Same Shame, and the final one was the title track, Total Eclipse. And this, of course, is um, album is a Latter-day classic. We'd like to thank you very much for being out there this evening on behalf of yours truly, Gavin Walker, and... Of course, as I mentioned uh, a few moments ago, next week is our Christmas show. And, of course, we always do this. We always play this because it's a historic recording that actually shaped jazz music. Miles Davis was uh, unbelievable in in terms of uh, the fact that he actually um, reshaped jazz music almost uh, with every part of his own evolution because he was so influential. But these recordings are are absolute classics. They were done on Christmas Eve with an all-star group with Thelonious Monk on piano, Milt Jackson on vibes, Percy Heath on bass, Kenny Clark on drums, and, of course, Miles Davis on trumpet. And uh, we're going to be playing that recording session in its entirety as the jazz feature next week, as we always do. Um, for the last show before Santa's Big Night. 
and uh, the 21st is uh, is next week. So we're going to do that. We're going to have a visit from Scrooge. We're going to have uh, some, actually, some great Christmas music that you're not likely to hear in the malls either. So um, do come around next week, next Monday. We start at 9 o'clock, as we usually do, and carry on till uh, the wee small hours of the morning, usually. So on behalf of myself, Gavin Walker, and on behalf of CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca, I bid you a very fine good night and have fun Christmas shopping. And take care. Bye-bye. Ha <laughs> ha